Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Now, before we uh, read this there in verse 6, let me give you a context of what's going on here. Caleb, y'all know the story of Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua and some other men, they went across. They, were, they got to the promised land. They sent them out. Caleb, Joshua, somebody, they go spy out the land. They're about to, God's going to bring us into this promised land like he had promised them. They're going to conquer it. They go across, they come back, and they're like, whoa, there's giants in the land. They're, they're, they're walled up cities, big, tall, walled cities. We have no chance. Now, Caleb and Joshua, they said, we got the chance. We're going to do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go fight them. Let's get it. It's ours. So because they had uh, decided to turn back and didn't want to go into the promised land, they didn't believe God. God had told them, all those men and all of the other men, they're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And when I kill out all those men, when they die after 40 years, those children that were raised up then, they're going to raise up, they're going to be grown men and women. Then I'll bring them into the promised land. Except for Caleb and Joshua, they're going to get to go. I'm not going to knock them out. They're not going to get knocked out. Caleb and Joshua get to go. Well, y'all know the story of Joshua. That's what this whole book's about. Joshua takes them, leads them into the promised land. Joshua goes to the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho fall. They start, get, they start whipping them out of that land. That land was, belongs to God. God give that land to them. What's interesting about that, starting in Numbers uh, 14, Deuteronomy chapter 1, where it's talking about Caleb, he's never mentioned again. Caleb is never mentioned again. For 45 years, Caleb's in the background until Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. And then Caleb shows back up in Joshua 14, verse 6. 45 years later, there's been no mention of Caleb. Where is Caleb at? What's he been doing? The Bible don't say. He's just been kind of hanging out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Bible mentions him because he shows up. Look at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgad, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kezanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea, which was, God told him, I'm going to bring y'all over to the promised land. Verse 7. Forty years old was I when, I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea, to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because I have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years even, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Now he's 85 years old. Verse 11. And as, I, as yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Verse 12. Now therefore... Give me this mountain. <laughs> give me this mountain. I want to preach this morning on give me, give me this mountain. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly, Father. Lord, I know there's so many people in here this morning that have mountains that you've given them, Lord God, and they're looking up at this tall mountain, Lord, and I pray, Father, you'll give them the strength to climb it, Lord God, to get up it, Lord God, to conquer it, Father. And Lord, we, can do anything, we can't do anything without 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we need some help this morning, Lord. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would bless them, Lord. I pray for some healing in our church, Lord, in our church family. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us. Lord, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the rain you've been sending our way, Lord, because I know it won't be long that it'll be so dry out here, Lord. And we thank you for your blessings. Lord, uh, financially and health-wise, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for our salvation we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. Help us understand your word. Help us understand what Caleb did to get to the point where he's at. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. I do want to preach this morning on give me this mountain. So many of us, we're living our life, and then all of a sudden one day we wake up and there's a mountain standing right in front of us. And God puts a mountain right in front of us. And I want to show you this morning, we can look at the story and the life of Caleb, and we can see how Caleb was able to get to the point where he was ready to climb this mountain. And he does, and he conquers the mountain that God's given him. Now, I can't speak to what that mountain is. I don't know what your mountain might be. It might be a whole mountain of sin. It might be one mountain, just one sin. It might be a mountain of unforgiveness. It might be a mountain of debt. It might be a mountain of uh, marital problems. It might be a mountain of, of, of emotional problems. It might be a mountain. I don't know. I mean, only you and God know, amen. But I, I've had my mountains. That I've woke up in the morning and go, whoa. And when you look at this mountain, it's so tall. The, the, we live around hills here. We don't have any mountains here. So it's hard to, for us to imagine it. But a mountain that's so tall that you can't even see the top of it. And you're like, this looks impossible. How am I going to climb this mountain? I'm going to show you how... Caleb told, uh, told uh, Joshua and told the Lord, give me this mountain. Give it to me. I'm ready. Let's see how he, what brought him to the point where he could say something like that. Go back up to verse 6. Let's break this down. Let's break this down. Go back up to verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgad, and Caleb the son of Jephna the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me. The first thing you need to know about Caleb is he didn't forget what God said. He never forgot what God promised him. And remember, that was 45 years ago. There's people in here that are, they're not even 45 years old. He said something 45 years ago. And Caleb said, I've never forgotten it. <laughs> he never forgot it. Even though the Bible never mentioned Caleb again, never talked about it again, never mentioned that promise again, but Caleb never forgot it. And that's how we are as Christians. There's some of us in here that, have got, that got saved 45 years ago. Amen? And some of us that got saved 55 years ago. Some of us 65, 75. I don't know about 85. I'm not going to ask any ages, but you get my point? There was maybe some of us 45, 55, 65 years old. We got down our knees. We were in a church. We are in Sunday school. We are somewhere. And we put our faith into Jesus Christ to save us. We got up off our knees. We got through praying. And we knew that we were saved. And that God had promised us a place in heaven. And 55 years later, we still say, I believe God is going to keep His promise. Amen. Amen. That's how you conquer a mountain. is knowing that God said it and God will keep it. God's not a God that changes. Because you might ask, well, how can you trust God to keep his promise? Because we're, we're talking about a God that doesn't change. I'm talking about a God that's not like our friends, our loved ones, our co-workers, our family. That one day they feel about one way, and the next day they feel another. And they'll change on a whim. 
This, you never know how they're going to feel about it. you. You have friends like that, co-workers, loved ones. I've got some loved ones like that. I've got some people that, that I actually have a heart for, and they hate my guts. I found out this weekend. Amen, brother. I found out this weekend. I was at a wedding, and there was somebody I knew, and I went over there, and I was like, man, they were actually pretty cold to me. That's a... And the mom come over there and goes, 30 years ago, you did something, and they're still mad about it. 30 years ago? What would I do? They wouldn't say. 30 years ago? What would I do? <laughs> they wouldn't say. I don't remember. I'm not saying I didn't do it. Amen. Right? I mean, my sister laughs because she knows. I mean, I'm wickedness. There's no telling what I said. I got a big old mouth on me. But 30 years ago? And I'm just now finding out about it? I don't remember, I don't remember what I did last week. Hey, if you're going to be around me, you've got to have a big heart of forgiveness because I'm going to mess up. The point is, is I've got to have a big heart of forgiveness because people around me mess up. God's always going to forgive you. God's never going to change. God promised you something. He's going to keep it no matter how you might change. God's not going to change. The Bible says in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. Let's move on to the next one. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. The second thing you need to know about Caleb was he had a heart for God. It was in my heart. Caleb always had a heart for God. You know, sometimes, just as Christians, when we first wake up in the morning and we see this big mountain, and I, I can't tell you what that mountain is, and it looks so impossible, this big mountain, and you're like, what am I going to do? You've got to do a heart check. You've got to pull that dipstick out of your heart and do a check on that, on that dipstick and say, okay, is, am I full of God's love or am I full of the world? Maybe you check the level, you pull out that, heart, that dipstick of the heart, and you look at it and you say, man, I'm kind of low on God's love. I need to get more of God's love in there. You know, if you read the book of Revelation, when Jesus Christ writes his letters to the church, the first letter he writes, he said, Thou hast lost thy first love. Thy first love. See, you've fallen out of love with me. And some days we need to wake up and say, Am I still in love with Jesus like I should be? Or am I getting to where I'm falling more and more in love with the world? And what the world offers. And what the world says to tickle my ears and to make me feel good every day. Am I in love with what the world says or am I in love with what God says and what God promises? Caleb always had a heart for God. Jesus Christ warned us about the world. He said about somebody getting the seed and the sower and the seed and the seed goes into a man's heart. He said, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches Choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So many of us wake up, we can wake up, and God's given us this big mountain, and our heart's not in it, and we're like, man, I don't have a heart to climb this mountain. I don't, it's not in me. You need to do a heart check. You need to do a heart check. Because that mountain's there. And you can put your head in the sand, you can turn around and ignore it, but that mountain's not going to change. And if you want to be like Caleb and be able to say, give me this mountain right there. Give it to me. You've got to have a heart for God. You've got to have a heart for God. 
There's nothing more exciting than getting around people that have hearts for God. Not for the world, not for the things of the world, but somebody just loves God with all their heart. Man, that's a wonderful thing. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say my heart is completely and totally just completely in love with Jesus Christ. What a beautiful, wonderful thing. Look at verse 8. 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly, wholly followed the Lord my God. You see that in there over and over again? It's simply this. Caleb... Holy followed the Lord. Holy. Completely. Totally followed the Lord. What do, you, what do you mean by that? And what does Caleb mean by that? Well, Caleb's seen it happen in his own life. Him and his friends and Joshua, they went over into the land and they seen the giants, they seen the walled cities, they seen how impossible it was going to be to conquer this land. And they came back and he seen, he knew that God had promised it. He believed that God was going to keep his promise. He had a heart for God. But he seen his other fellow people that had the same heart for God, that believed in God's promises. They believed in God's promises right up until they seen the giants. <laughs> and they're like, that's impossible. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. No way. We're not going over there. They stopped wholly following the Lord when that mountain looked impossible. So many Christians, and guys, I know I hit on this every Sunday because it's one of the problems with the churches today. So many Christians, they talk about the Word of God, they'll talk about the Bible, and they'll follow it right up until they don't like what it says. And that must be a pretty short read. Because it don't take me reading this very long to find out, like, I don't like that. Why is it saying that? I don't like that. And then they'll just do away with the Bible. And they'll keep the parts of the Bible they like, chop, 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 chop. And the parts they don't like, they'll just cut it out and throw it away. And, ooh, I don't like that. And, like that's, like that's going to change God's word. They like all the promises of good. And God promised them good. And God promised them, said, if you'll go over, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be one to fight for you. Don't worry about it. And if they would have kept believing God's word, that, that would have happened. And it happened in Joshua chapter 1 all the way up to this chapter we're reading here. They did conquer the land. They were running them out just like God said it would happen. But at that time they got over there and the people that were with Caleb said, no way. I don't believe it. And Caleb said, I always wholly followed the Lord my God. There's going to be some mornings you wake up and God's going to give you this mountain that's going to look impossible to follow, impossible to climb. There's no way you can get up it. There's no way you can conquer this mountain. And you're going to have friends that are going to tell you the same thing. It's impossible. You can't do it. There's no way. I've got this unforgiveness. I can't, I don't know why you would forgive them. Don't forgive them. Don't, I've had people say, don't forgive them. Well, the Lord tells me I need to forgive them. The Lord tells me I need to find a way to forgive them. The Lord tells me, well, don't forgive I would never forgive them. I, you'd be evil if you forgave them. Your friends are going to turn on you. Not everybody that's around me wholly follows the Lord. But that doesn't mean I should go with them. I'm going to stick with the Lord. Caleb stuck with the Lord. He said, I, oh, look at verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. They had those that came back and said... They come back to Israel and said, guys, we're in trouble. 
There's giants over there. There's no way we can conquer it. We need to go back. And they actually got a group of men together to take Israel back to Egypt. That's what the Bible says. They got together and they made some captains and said, okay, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back into slavery. Let's go back to the world. Let's go back. And Joshua and Caleb were like, no, what are you doing? The land is ours. Let's go get it. They made the people's heart melt. See, it's always a heart problem. But I, Caleb says, holy, holy followed the Lord my God. You want to conquer this mountain? Keep on following the Lord. Ignore what your friends say. They're going to tell you it's impossible. They're going to tell you you can't do it. Don't listen to them. Amen. That leads us to verse 10. Me and Gary Fields. This is verse 10. This is me and Gary Fields. Because I told him he couldn't do it. Now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. See, I, I told you that there's people that will tell you, you can't do it. There's no way. And some of y'all have heard this story, and I'm going to tell it again because I love this story. We were on vacation, Gary, Patsy, and I, my wife. We had, the teen, we had uh, Brian with us, their grandson. He's about the same age as my son. They were teenagers at the time. So we're all out there. I don't know whose idea this was, Gary. I can't remember who it was. But we're at Fort Davis, that mountain that sits behind that Indian Lodge at Fort Davis. And to me, that's a mountain. Because you look up at the top, and you have to have binoculars to see what's going on at the top. Well, somebody, I don't think it was me or Gary, one of the teenagers had to be and said, let's climb that mountain. Because I don't think I said it. I don't think Gary said it. One of those young teenagers that have you know, energy for days are like, let's climb that mountain. You know, so being a man, I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go with you. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be tough. I'll go, I'll go. And I'm thinking, it's going to be tough. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. But I'm not, I'm not going to, my son's here, so I got to show him that his dad is tough. And then behind me, I hear a voice. I'll do it. And I look back and it's Gary. And I'm thinking, Gary. Now, I don't say this out loud, brother. Now, I've fessed up to this later. I've confessed my sins later. I said, Gary, you just had hip replacement surgery. Not too long before that, right? Like, you just had hip replacement surgery. Young people don't get hip replacement surgeries. I mean, no offense, Brother Gary. But I, the point is, is I'm like, no, don't, I don't want him going with me. Because what's going to happen is we're going to get like a quarter away up this mountain, and then Gary's going to say, I can't do this. I need to go back. And then I'm not going to get to climb the mountain, and I'm going to have to go back with him. If I'd been thinking it through, I'd thought, man, that's my way out. Thank you for going, Gary. We can get this. I don't have to climb the whole mountain. That guy right there. I'm not saying he's 85 years old like Caleb was right here in verse 10. He climbed that mountain. And there was a man there named Keegan that was telling him, you can't climb it. You can't do it. It's not going to work. And Gary said, give me this mountain right here. <laughs> and he climbed that mountain. All the way to the top. You know what the best part about that climb was? 
It wasn't the climb, I can tell you that. Because every step, I'm, you're going like this, and I'm thinking, where's the rattlesnake? Where's the snake? And I'm thinking, Gary's in front of me. He's going to fall, and we're going to both and get knocked down off this thing. <laughs> but we got to the top. The best part of that, climbing that mountain, was getting to the top. And the view, the view from the top of that mountain was so incredibly amazing. I can't describe it. It was a spiritual experience almost. It was almost spiritual. And the, 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 we had this long trip. It was like a week and a half long trip. That's what I remember. Being on top of that mountain with Gary Fields thinking, I can't believe this old man made it. <laughs> and look how amazing this is. Verse 10 tells us this. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day four score, a score be twenty, so four times twenty is eighty, and five years old. So I'm eighty-five years old. Here's the point. If God has kept you alive that long, he must want you to climb that mountain. If you wake up in the morning, number one, thank God you woke up, amen. Not everybody did. If you wake up that morning and God's giving you another day and you look up and the first thing you do when you walk out your house is you see that big mountain. You're like, uh-oh, I've got a mountain to climb today. Well, God put it there, but he also put you there. So that tells me he wants you to climb that mountain. Because if he didn't, number one, you wouldn't have woke up that morning. And number two, there wouldn't be a mountain in front of you. Say, so God do that? Yeah, God does that. Helps you grow. Helps you learn something. When God put that mountain there at Fort Davis, and Gary climbed that mountain with me, God taught me something. A very valuable lesson that every young man needs to understand. Don't ever underestimate us old men. <laughs> I remember being at a family reunion. There was this, I called him old. He probably wasn't that old, but I was a young teenager, you know. <laughs> And he grabbed a hold of me. We were out swimming at the lake. And he grabbed a hold of me. We were, we were wrestling around. And that old man, I was like, I grabbed him by the arm. You know, we're all, we're, all of us were out there wrestling. Doing that. He grabbed a hold of me. That sucker almost drowned me. That old man. I don't, don't, the old man strength. Age has nothing to do with it. Amen. Age has nothing to do with it, guys. God gives you this mountain, climb it. Well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Number one, God gave you another day. Number two, God gave you that mountain. Climb it. Climb it. Age has nothing to do with it. Verse 11. As yet I'm as strong this day. I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then. Even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and come in. Why is Caleb so strong at 85 years old? Well, I'll give you the answer. It's called God. And guys, whatever mountain you have to climb, you're not climbing it in your own strength. You're climbing it with the Spirit of God in you. Your strength comes from the Lord God Almighty. 
through the Holy Spirit. And He's going to give you the strength to climb that mountain or He wouldn't give you that mountain. He'll give you the strength. And maybe the problem is you're like some of these others. You see the giants, you see the mountain, you're like, I can't do it in my own strength. And the truth is you can't. But through the Holy Spirit, your strength, you can. Philippians 4.13, everybody knows it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's Christ that gives you the strength. It's not you. It's not your own spirit, your own flesh. I like to quote this verse, from, uh, quote this quote from Ravenhill. There is a world of difference, and there's a world of difference in knowing the Word of God and knowing the God of the Word. And the point about getting on this mountain and starting climbing it, you'll find out how much you need God. And you'll find out how much you don't know about God. And you'll find out how much you need to learn about God. As you get about a quarter of the way up there and you're like, I, can't, I don't think I can do it. I don't, like, I don't know if I can do this. And God will show up in your life and say, yeah, we can. Let's go. And pick you up. Anybody in here who's climbed a mountain knows that here's the great truth. You get halfway up that mountain, you can't come down. <laughs> you can't. Say, so why don't you? Because you can't. When you get up halfway of a mountain, you're like this, and you look down, you're like, no, I can't go back down. Because if you turn around like that and go back down, there's only one way to go down, tumbling and rolling. Or, ah! <laughs> you got to keep climbing. Amen. So if you started that mountain and you're stuck on that mountain this morning, you came into Sunday, a, a church and you're like, man, I'm up on a mountain. I'm up here. The wind's blowing. I'm scared to death everything. You're not alone. God's with you. God's got you. God's going to give you the strength. Just keep on climbing. Be like Caleb. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Give it to me. I like what he says in verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou, hadst, that for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fence. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Notice what he said there at the end of verse 12. If so be, the Lord will be with me. He said, Lord willing, I'm climbing this mountain. Well, Brother Keegan, I'm halfway up the mountain. There's no end in sight. I can't see the top. I feel like I'm about to give out. What's going to happen to me? You might die up on the side of that mountain. You might do it. If that's the Lord's will, amen. You might not wake up the next morning to keep climbing. But you were climbing. And your loved ones and your other brothers and sisters in Christ, they're watching you and they're saying, look at them. They had no hope, and they kept on climbing. And they, their attitude was Caleb's. If the Lord will, I'll do it. If not, I won't do it. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to. And if the Lord's not, fine. Y'all remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's one of my favorite stories. And the reason why that's one of my favorite stories, they were supposed to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar, and they wouldn't bow down when the music played. And he had an image there. It's a lot like the Antichrist. He has an image there. They play the music, bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would not bow down. And they said, if you don't bow down, we're going to take you and throw you to this fiery furnace. That's what Nebuchadnezzar told them. So bow down. And they said, we're not going to bow down. This is what they said. They said, you might throw us in this furnace. And the Lord might not deliver us, and then he might. 
And we might burn up in that furnace, but we're not bound down. What I like about that story is we're following God no matter what happens. And the Lord might let us get burned up in there, and we might not get burned up in there, but the truth is we're not bound down. And sometimes you've got to wake up in the morning and say, this is going to be a long mountain. This is going to be a long climb. I don't know how I'm going to get up it, but with the Lord's help I will. I might die on the side of this mountain, but at least I'll be doing what God wants me to do. Lord, give me this mountain. Every Christian has to deal with this stuff. Every Christian. He's saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to climb this mountain. I might not make it, I might not make it to the top, but I'm going to climb it. Here's the great truth that is kind of humbling. Is look at the middle of verse 12, and we're closing. Middle of verse 12. For thou hast heard us in that day, in that day how the Anakims were there. What are the Anakims? Well, the Anakims were the giants. Those same giants that they seen in the beginning, these are the giants. So uh, look at verse, uh, chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 13. Look at this crazy stuff. Verse 13, chapter 15, Joshua chapter 15, verse 13. And we're closing out. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, there's Caleb again, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak. That's the giants. Which city, which city is Hebron? And Caleb, verse 14, drove thence the three sons of Anak. Those are the giants. Shishai, Ahim, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Drove them out. Here's the great humbling truth. You might climb, and you might climb, and you might get to the top of that mountain, and you get to the top of that mountain and go, yeah, and there's giants up there. And you're like, uh-oh. Now what do I do? Keep on fighting. Amen. Amen. That's all you can do. What did I just say? What are you going to do, run and jump off the mountain? You can't. Say, so, well, all right, Lord, here we go. We're going to fight. I've got another giant. I climbed this high mountain, and now here's a giant. But Caleb won it. He ran him out. And I give you the reasons why he could. He had his heart completely on the Lord. He followed the Lord completely. He, kept, he believed God's promises and kept them up with him. Look at verse 16, same chapter 15, verse 16. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjath Sefer, and taketh it to him will I give Ashak my daughter to wife. And when you go and read that story, what you'll find out is Caleb wasn't all alone. <laughs> Caleb wasn't alone. Caleb didn't come up to this mountain and say, Okay, here I go, I'm going to climb it all by myself. Number one, he had the Lord God as his strength. But number two, he had other people helping him. So you might wake up tomorrow morning and God might give you this big mountain. And maybe you woke up this morning and you've got, God's given you a mountain. But I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. If you're in this church, you've got other brothers and sisters here that will be praying for you. You're not fighting it alone. You're never alone. That's what's so great about being in a church family. You're dealing with some kind of illness. You've got prayers going towards you. You're dealing with some kind of emotional problem. You've got prayers. You've got people that help you. They'll be able to help you financially. There's nobody in this church that's going to starve. 
The worst thing you can do in this church is just mention, I don't have very much food in my refrigerator. You'll have to buy a new refrigerator by the time we get done. We'll give you so much food. Amen, I've seen it happen. When you're around God's people, they will bless you. They will help you. You're not climbing the mountain alone. You never are. And you'll be like Caleb. Give me this mountain. With all this help, with the help of the Lord, with the help of my brothers and sisters, with my heart on God, with the right kind of attitude, give me this mountain. I got the promise of God. Well, what if you die up on that mountain? So be it. At least I'm climbing it for God. And it wouldn't be here if God didn't want me to climb it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and grace and mercy, Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, I know there's some people underneath the side of my voice that are dealing with a mountain, Lord God, and they're trying to climb it. Maybe they're at the base of it, Lord, and they can't even imagine getting up there and trying to climb it, Lord. And I pray, Father, through your strength and through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, you'll help them. Lord, let them know, Father, they're not in it alone, Lord. We're there to help them. We're there to help them climb that mountain, Lord God. If it be a mountain of drug abuse or alcoholism or whatever it might be, Lord God, we're there to help them. We want to help them, Lord, and you're there to help them get through it, Lord, and Father, help them to know, Lord, that that mountain wouldn't be there, Lord God, if you didn't put it there. And, Lord, you gave them another day to wake up, Lord God, and to fight it and to keep on going, Lord God. Maybe there's somebody needs to sound my voice. They've climbed that mountain. They finally got to the top, Lord, and there's some giants waiting on them, Lord. I pray, Father, that you give them the fight, Lord. They'll keep on fighting on for you and for the truth. And, Lord, I thank you for these people, Lord God, and I pray, Father, somebody this morning, Lord, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, that... You'll speak to the heart of truth, Lord God, and when we give the invitation, they'll come on down here and get saved. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. 
Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.